Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, we proudly bring to you Mormonism Live! Shut up and sit down. Good evening, everyone. How are you doing? How are you, RFM? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you very much for asking. Or as Alfred Hitchcock might say, good evening. Yeah. I'm getting uh, getting ready here to do an episode on... You just did an episode where you expounded on showing that the contemporary evidence displayed that uh, Section 132 of the DNC was, in fact, the original document. Mm, yes, I did. Yeah, and I'm getting ready. I think I'll probably end up doing it tomorrow, but I think I'm going to put out an episode where we talk about these land deeds. And I've tried for about a week here to have a conversation in this Hemlock Knots group, and they don't they don't grasp the significance that about two-thirds of the deeds, this is like 30 deeds, that Joseph Smith gives to women on their own from 1842 to 1844, two-thirds of them, are either plural wives of Joseph Smith, allegedly, because he wasn't a polygamist, or they are the wives uh, of his associates who are doing polygamy. Now, remember, if he's not doing polygamy, they're his enemy, and somehow he's giving them a bunch of land. Hmm. And they don't grasp the significance of that. And I think we'll expound on that maybe sometime tomorrow. But I, we are, again, no offense. I don't, these people are taking it personally, but the evidence is really overwhelming and I'm really enjoying that we're both going off in different directions, finding things and making discoveries on, on those, on that issue. But indeed, uh, Mr. Yeah. Real, indeed. And in, in fact, there's even a rumor I heard a that rumor. you might, a rumor that you or maybe even both of us will be at Sunstone talking about uh, Joseph Smith's polygamy. It could happen. It, it could. could happen. But you know, like my good friend Alf says, wow, point out one fatal flaw in a person's belief system and they take it personally. Yeah, and they do. They do. Um, what are you going to do? I don't know, but I think we're going to have a great show tonight is what talking we're going to polygamy. do. Talking about polygamy, yeah. Absolutely. And this is not something where we're talking about the FLDS or something else out in a compound somewhere. This is actually germinating inside the church itself. So we've got a great guest on and her name, at least for purposes of tonight, is Abby Taylor. So if we can bring her on, she's got a great story to tell us. And I know she's been working very, very hard on organizing her thoughts and timing herself even. Hi, Abby. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? Well, I'm fine. Thank you. I think we've already covered that. But uh, I'm glad that you're doing good. I'm just glad you're here because we had a little bit of a difficulty right before the show. But God must want this story to be told. God likes Mormonism live, and therefore all things came together for our good and benefit. A Ooh, Mr. I Real. Just, I just felt some elevation. If it happens again, the, the phone seems to be going back and forth into other things. So uh, if that if I drop off. But okay. So right. far, we're so good. We are doing great. Now, 
Uh, go ahead, please. Uh, just begin, introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit about yourself and lead us right into your story, if you would. I'm Abby. I converted to the LDS Church in May of 1997 at the age of 44. I was not looking for a church. I was looking for a single straight man. <laughs> I lived in Key West, Florida. My social life was going nowhere. And Mormonism I was, was your only option? Well, there was a missionary homecoming that day, and hmm. I was invited to it, the party, and said, okay, I'll go. And maybe I'll meet a straight single guy, because this is Key West, Florida. Uh, options are limited. I attend this party. And before I left, the missionary sisters had snuck in the first discussion, had given me a Book of Mormon, had an appointment for the second, and a date for baptism five weeks later. I was the golden one that all missionaries dream about. I still, didn't meet, I still didn't meet a straight single guy, but that was soon uh, to change. Okay, Three weeks good. later, I'm introduced to LDS Singles. This is a dating site prior to FaceTime, uh, any of that type of activity. You had a picture, a profile, and an email address. And you corresponded either by email, snail mail, phone, whatever you wanted to do. For me, I'm new to the LDS church. I have no idea about any of this except for families can be together forever. I need to find a great priesthood holder who will take me to the temple and life will be wonderful. So I have no filter on this. I don't have a geographic filter. The world, the world was my hunting place. The man I find is in a small town in southern British Columbia, eastern part, north of Spokane, about 20 miles. I send him a message. I go, am I not in your realm? And he goes, where do you live? I said, Key West. He said, we live almost 4,000 miles away. I'm looking to date right here. But we continue to correspond. And we hit it off. A month later, he proposes on the phone. We only had a picture. We had never met in person. We decide that I will go to Spokane. He'll meet me there and then we'll go to Canada. I'll meet his daughters and we'll go camping because the ultimate test of a relationship is going camping. We can survive camping. We'll get married. My brother says, you're going where? You've met this person on the internet, which is all new, and you're going to go to Canada to meet a man you have never met in person, and he's going to take you camping. Uh-huh. He said, at least tell me what campground so we have a starting base for when you can't find your body. So, And then That's my friend point. said, right, yeah, but I'm not thinking that. I'm thinking, oh, La La Land priesthood holder. My friend said, name, address, phone number. If you're not back in two weeks, we're calling the Mounties. I'm like, what is the problem here? We go to the Canada. Everything works out. We decide, yes, we will get married. I come at this back point, to were you aware? I'm sorry, Abby. At this point, were you aware that Ted Bundy had been baptized into the LDS church? I never knew that until right now. No. Oh, okay. I had no idea. I just thought just this trying guy, to keep that quiet. <laughs> this guy is a good priesthood holder, according to, according to everything. It, it, to me, I was like oblivious. I go back to Key West, and all we knew... For me to get into Canada, it was had to have a manifest. I had to have all the boxes numbered. Uh, 
what was in them and the valuation. I worked at a bookstore. I had 175 boxes identical. In the truck they go, all the rest of my stuff, the car is behind us, and we're on our way to Canada. We get to the border, and the customs agent says, so what's going on? I said, we're getting married on Saturday. I'm coming in from Florida. I've got my stuff. He says, really? You think you just show up at the border and walk in? I said, well, I have the manifest. He goes, oh, no, no, no. This is the way it works. He is here and you are here. He applies to get you into the Canada. And once you get that approval, then you come across the border with your stuff. Not until then. I'm like, now what am I going to do? He said, come inside. Go into the office, calls someone in immigration. Somewhere in British Columbia, we're not quite sure. All he hears is my half of the conversation. He talks to this lady. He says, she wants to talk to you. I said, hi. And she goes, hi, what are you doing? And I'm all bubbly. I go, I'm getting married at the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on Saturday. She goes, to whom? I tell her. She goes, I know him. I said, you know this man? Is he any? Yes, he's fine. Okay, now, Abby, Abby, uh, you just broke up just for a second. And you said, he said, I know that guy. She says, I know that man. I said, is he okay to marry? She said, he's a great guy. Yes, go ahead. This man is not hearing anything about my half of the conversation. He's giving me dirty looks and he goes, all right, I'll let you in. But if you don't get married on Saturday, you get your shit and you get out of this country. Got it? I said, yes, sir. Across the border, we go around the corner and it starts to snow. Welcome to Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am in Canada getting settled in. He has a conference in St. Louis three weeks later. We go to St. Louis and we allow time to go to Carthage. Oh, Abby, Abby, I'm sorry. Okay, maybe I missed it. You got married in Canada. I'm sorry. We get So we get married on that Saturday. Three weeks so you later. you survived the camping. I survived the camping. It was kind of funny because we got there at dark. So we're trying to put up the tent in the dark. He forgets the air companies going <laughs> into an air mattress. That isn't working. So the next day we get an air pump and everything is fine. But we survived camping. Everything is wonderful. I go to Canada. We get a, married. And this was a civil marriage, correct? This was a civil marriage because I had only been a member for five months. So I couldn't get into the temple at that time. We go to Nauvoo. We go to Carthage Jail. Um, and in Nauvoo, there's a missionary there, an older gentleman. And they start yapping. And it turns out this missionary had served in the ward that we were in and left just before my husband came there. And they start this conversation and the man goes, well, what happened to so-and-so? And my husband goes, he died. I dressed him. I go, what does that mean? I had no idea what that meant. We go back to, to Canada after the trip and everything is going fine. We get an opportunity for a franchise in Vegas out of a company in Cardston because it's Y2K is approaching and everyone has to be prepared. Right. He goes to, to Vegas, checks it out and comes back and says, the numbers will work. It's a good opportunity, but we're not going to, we're not going to take it. I said, we're not, no, but we're going to Vegas. I said, why? He said, cause the Lord said we need to be in Vegas. I said, call him back. He's got a wrong number. I don't want to go to Vegas. <laughs> okay. I'm like, this is, I, I've had enough. So 
at this point, we've decided the economy is tanking. We have to do something. We're going to go to Las Vegas. He has to go to Montreal for his interview. Not anywhere close. He's got to go clear across country. He gets an airline flight that should never have happened for four or $500 instead of 1300 divine intervention again, gets to the interview and there's just a little wicket, whatever they call it, with a little table and he's got this big folder. He said, you can't even open up the folder here. The guy is mean. The lady before is out in tears. And he's like, I'm not going to cave here. I'm not come this far to, to cave. And the gentleman says, do you have any money? It sounds like that temple question. He says, as a matter of fact, I do. The house had closed on Friday. The money was in the bank. And he was prompted that morning to take $100 out of the ATM machine. He hands him the receipt for $60,000. Ends the interview. Stamps the paperwork. And he's going. We're going. Never asked, do you have a place to go to? Or do you have jobs? Never asked. We didn't have a job. We didn't have a place to go to. We're back. He's we're back in our hometown and he goes to Vegas to find a place to live. And we we move. We move there. Now, Abby, we don't you have... mentioned you mentioned again about this divine intervention, because it does seem to be happening each and every time you run into a problem. Uh, a minor <laughs> miracle happens that paves the way before you. The next the next is paved. And then the next one is Vegas has 100,000 Mormons. A lot of them are extremely well connected. You have presidents of corporations and stuff. They're all over the place. And the Mormon mafia, as it's termed, gets us jobs. So we didn't have jobs. All of a sudden we have jobs. And everything is going fine. We're serving in the temple, the Las Vegas temple, at the recommend desk. We are the greeters at 7 a.m. Welcoming you to the temple. Oh, by the way, Abby, had you been sealed in the temple by this point? Sorry, yes. Before, right before we left Canada, we got sealed in the Cardston Temple. Okay. So we were all set. And we're now finding ourselves in Vegas. He's not real happy about what's going on because it's that four-year rotation of baby school kindergarten Mormonism. And he's at Are a PhD. About, I'm like talking Sunday about school. Left. Sunday school lessons and stuff. He said, it's so it, typical, you know, they're, they're targeting into the lowest common denominator and that's what you're getting. So we start to distance ourselves and this is easy to do because we don't have anyone there. It's the two of us, no family nearby. His two oldest daughters are LDS, but they're in Canada. We don't have any children. Our calling is in genealogy. So we can Maybe come and go... Abby, Maven, Maven is asking what year this is happening now in Los Angeles. All right. We are, we are in Vegas. We move. And we'll wait for a second to find out when that year is. Because, Abby, we can't hear you right now. It looks like things are freezing in Georgia. Okay, I'm back. Hey. Uh, so in, two, in 2001, we moved to Las Vegas. So this okay, is so Y2K now, is over. Y2K is over. We never did that. No one died in Y2K. Nothing ever happened with it. So we start to distance ourselves from mainstream LDS. Does that we're mean you're not going to church? 
We're not going to church. Nobody really cares. We're not involved in the community because no one really, you know, you're just that nice LDS couple from Canada. So what, you know, nobody really cares. Uh, so, so we're living our life and we're married 10 years. It's 2007. And he says to me, I was watching this program about polygamy. I said, really? Yeah, this lady in Canada and uh, in England is doing a program about these fundamentalists in southern Utah. And then about this man that lives off grid in eastern Arizona. It's pretty interesting. I think we should it's check it out. This is on TV. Okay. And I said, but he goes, yeah, I think we should check it out. He is an information gatherer. Anything he sees, he prints out, he puts in binders, he, he, he gathers information. He convinces me to go meet them. Let's meet the person in Arizona. I've already called him. We're just going to say hello and see how this is. I didn't know what polygamists look like. What am I? I just see the ones with the funky hair. He knew the Winston Blackmore group in Creston, out in Creston, up in British Columbia, big group up there. And the company that he got a job with employed welders that were young kids from the Short Creek area and would stay in town and during the week, do their welding. And on the weekends, the, the wives, these young girls would pick them up and they go back to Short Creek and this would repeat. So this was nothing unusual to him. We meet the people in Arizona, a lovely couple, couple, a lovely trio with kids living in a trailer that needs serious work off grid, four and a half miles off the main road. They're wonderful people. I think this isn't so bad after all. On Sunday, we go to a sacrament meeting. The group is independent, but there's one person in there that is the head of the clan, but not officially. He has three wives and they're all married. And two of the daughters with his first wife are married to two of the people in the other group. This group was a double breakaway from the Apostolic United Brethren, the AUBs. The other group was family. They only, they just, this group split from them. So he had family members that were in one group and they're in another. At the meeting, the man says to me, so you have any questions? I said, how many wives do you have? I'm curious. He said, three. They're sitting right in front of you. Lovely women. Lovely women. I go, this isn't so bad. They're not creepy. Okay. He goes into a priesthood session and he's in all his glory because he can talk to men about fundamentalist issues and he can't do that in mainstream Mormonism. Now he, now you're talking about your, my husband, your former my husband. Husband, my husband. Yes, my husband goes in there. And says, I said, well, how was it? He goes, you know, during the administration of Heber J. Grant, the, that people were ordained to the office of, but the priesthood was not conferred. Therefore, there may have been a gap between Grant and the people that sealed us. I'm not sure, but they may not have properly had the keys. And I think we should have a do-over. I said, what are you talking about? Do over. I think we should make sure that we are sealed by people that do have proper priesthood authority with no gap, no mess up with Heber J. Grant. That was his so story. Right now he's telling you that your your marriage, your sealing in the 
Cardston Temple in Canada may, may, or may not be with the proper authority, keys, whatever you call it. It may not have taken. So just right. to make sure, sure, let's go get sealed again with these guys who, yes. if the LDS Church doesn't have it, these guys do. Thank you. Are you raising your hand, Bill? Bill? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so somebody, there's a, in the conversation off in the chat, somebody asked, how did you go from being a temple greeter to being an active? And I just want to ask it maybe a little differently. You okay. convert to the church mm -hmm. and then we zoom through to uh, living in Canada to being inactive and sort of moving towards the fundamentalist ro road. No, first we went from living in Canada to being in Vegas, Vegas, to being in the temple group to then sort of following this other avenue with the polygamists. And at that time we became inactive. Our temple duty was only assigned for a short time. You're not there for a lifetime. It's only a certain time. So I understand okay. that your husband's taking the lead in this, but at any point oh, during yes. this time period, are you looking at this as a possible lifestyle for you? Oh yes, I am. Because the next time we go to Arizona, we're sitting in this in the sacrament meeting and out there you don't get a call from the executive secretary saying, please give a talk. No, they point and say, will you give the opening prayer? How about you three sing a song? And would you share a message? So one of this man's wives does this message about one foot on the dock and one foot on the boat. She's talking about plural marriage. She is somehow related to Mary Brown of Cody Brown's wife. And someone in the family is thinking about doing it and they have to make a decision because either you're in or you're out or you're in the water. So I said, well, this doesn't sound too bad after all. These people are nice. Why not? So I agree to the do-over under the condition that I only wear those one-piecers for the ceremony, that after that, uh-uh, not happening. So when, when you say one-piece, you're going to have to be so a little more descriptive. I should. The one-piece... Hold on. Okay, I'm back. I'm, so, I'm hanging here. Yes, the one piece what? In one in fundamentalism, instead of wearing garments that are two pieces, they wear a one piece garment. That's it goes the true garment. The true garment from the neck to the end to the wrist to the the ankles. It is done with ties. There's slits. Um, it's got this big overlapping piece of fabric underneath you, like you're waddling around like an elephant, but that's their one piecers. I said, only for the ceremony. Otherwise, forget it. I'm not even wearing LDS garments at this time. I'm certainly not going to wear that. And because certainly the faithful wear in this group wear them 24 seven, correct? Oh yes, they do. Oh yes. There's also some instructions, you know, about, you know, showers and this, that, and the other thing. It's a whole, whole bunch of crap, but that's their belief. So we're going to do the do over. Bill Reels Which, has yet another question. He's quite a curious lad. Well, I never got the first one answered. So I want to know, <laughs> I want to oh. know if moving from convert to being mainstream LDS, did you feel like you understood Mormonism pretty well? Like how many years is it between conversion to Vegas to fundamentalism? All right. I was converted in Key West in 97 and I moved to Canada in 97 in 2001, we moved to Vegas, and around 2009, we're in this, we're affiliating almost with the fundamentalist group in Arizona.
So 12 years. And, and you felt 12. like you had a pretty good grasp of Mormonism as a convert. I, well, you know, I it's sort of a lot of it goes in and out of one year. And I need by having been born of godly parents and past that, you know, I really I really wasn't into it yeah. as a lot of other people are. I really hadn't. Yeah. I, I was just like, it is. I wasn't there for that. I was there to get married. So we set up for this ceiling. We're going to have the do over. You have to be rebaptized, confirmed, the whole nine yards. What does that look like, and where does it take place, since they don't have it access to it? All right. It took place, um, one of the people there owned property of 37 acres. This group had built a barn structure to meet in for certain activities, and they had a swimming pool, so we get married in the swimming pool. And then we sit in chairs outside. Wait, you got married in the swimming pool? No, I'm sorry, we get married. We get baptized in the swimming oh, okay. pool. Sorry about that. Baptized in the swimming pool, sit outside for the confirmation. And then inside this person's home, they have put sheets on the floors, all white sheets. So it is like a temple inside and they dedicate the room for as a temple for this ceremony. During, during his, the confirmation, I am given the gift of discernment which I really don't use very well, but that was a gift that I was given. He was ordained and set apart as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ for the building up of the kingdom in Las Vegas and wherever else he happens to travel. That's what they do. They're independent. So you're going to be an apostle, you're going to be an apostle, and you're going to go forth and spread the word. That's what it's all about. Well, now I am sealed to an apostle. This is getting better. Was there an altar in the room? Yes, we have the, in in the um, for the endowment ceremony. They put an altar. Uh, they had a veil to go through. And the one thing about this whole ceremony, the ceremony was as back far as you could get to Joseph Smith. I guess as word had traveled, the it was the five points of fellowship, the throat sit, slitting. Um, there were there were hand motions and everything else, all these signs and tokens. I'm like, I was, <laughs> I don't know what was going on. But the last thing I remember him saying is that you do not have sexual relations with a woman until you are legally and lawfully sealed. Bottom line. Okay. We go back to, to Vegas. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to me, he had been communicating with women on the internet since 2008. He was on all these polygamous sites, most of them in the Philippines. So that's the year before? Oh yeah, this is before we even go out for the visit in 2009. In 2008, he had started communicating with a woman. She's in the Philippines and I said, why not someone in the US? He goes, well, women in the US have baggage and women in the Philippines are Catholic. They're easy to convert. They don't know anything about the religion. The husband treats them like crap. They can't get divorced. So a lot of times they're just having children with the kids and they end up being single mothers. So, okay. So he had made plans to fly out the week after our, our do-over. He had already made those plans. Mm, and he's mm -hmm. going to take her on a nice little trip, courtesy of me, because I am the one making all the money in the family and it's all about the law of consecration and helping out. Is it not? I he guess so. Flies, 
I guess so. So he flies out there. They go on a lovely holiday. And and you're and by the way, I have to ask this. And you're OK with this or you don't know about it at the time? Oh, no, I knew he was going. I had to know he was going to the airport. I knew it was happening because I knew he was on the hunt for wives. And that was part of this whole deal. You're going to be a polygamist. You have to have more than one. So he flew. Yeah, so you have to have more than one. I'm back. I'm back. Okay. So he he flies to the Philippines and meets her. He flies in on Good Friday. There are mothers all over there trying to throw their daughter at this white guy because they want a white guy who's going to take care of and provide financially for their family, their daughter and their family. And he's going to meet her. They go on the holiday. They have a great time. He comes back home. He said, we're going to get married. How long has he gone? He was gone about two weeks. He, he comes has home and tells you. They're going to get married. They're going to get sealed. But he has to figure out how to do it. Well, we can't afford to fly someone over right now. So they're going to get married courtesy of Zoom. So, okay. Uh, she has to tell her father. Her father throws a fit. Oh, no, you're not. You get married to him? What? He's a white guy? He's got a wife in the U.S.? When is he going to come back and see you? Is this some kind of, what is this? Okay, Abby, just just a second. I just want to be clear on this. So your husband's going over to the Philippines, finding a uh, a girl in the Philippines. Uh You will marry him, but he is actually, he's telling her everything. He's telling her that he is already married. And I'm guessing he's teaching her the true fundamental gospel about plural marriage and everything. Well, he says something to her about it, but they're only there for two weeks. So how much is he going to tell? He tells her enough that she agrees to be part of this because he's the white guy that's going to provide for her. But her father says, not no, hell no, you're not marrying him because who knows what the deal is over there. And if you do, I will never speak to you again. We're cutting you off. So she says, I'm done. She says, no. So he your husband or to her dad? To no, no. She says, okay. And she lets him know it's a no go. I can't marry you. So he's back to square one. He doesn't have a wife. Well, he's always got someone on the hook. He finds a woman in Southeast Missouri who's from a large polygamous family, lives on 700 acres. It's this big complex. There's three wives and all these kids, and they're going to get married. They're going to get sealed. She's all on board with it. And what ends up happening in the short, the short of this is she gets sick, has cancer and dies from the treatment. They never get to be sealed. So the group in Arizona said, we will do this by proxy and we will seal you to her because you were supposed to fly out there and she gets sick and dies. So they make an exception and they get sealed. But he still has to find somebody else because that's only two. He was corresponding with two other women in the Philippines, one who he butted head with all the time. They were both headstrong and butt heads. And then this other one who seemed nice. She was young. He's going to go over there and visit with this younger one that had somewhat agreed that if they met and everything was fine, she would marry him. Well, bottom line is, she said, no, I'm not marrying you. I can't go through with this. But he had already met the one that he butt-headed with right before, and she wished him well. And I said, you're in the hotel for another 30 days. 
You can't fly home because it's going to cost you $1,300. I suggest you call the one you just met because she seems to be in love with you. And either you marry her or I'm done. I don't want to hear any more about it. She agrees. So now they're going to get sealed online. They are in the Philippines, the group's in Arizona, and I'm in Vegas. The group in Arizona is not too hep on her. They don't think something's right here, but they go ahead with the sealing. He then gets, he's got to travel over, the, over he's got to travel and see her. He just can't have her over there and not go back and forth. He needs some kind of story. He does accounting and bookkeeping for people. I set up a business over there and I teach some of these people to do bookkeeping and accounting and I can pay them $3 an hour and they're only getting 40 cents an hour now. For them, that's a big deal and they can do something with it. And this all makes sense to anyone else. I have a business over there because where are businesses outsourced to? The Philippines and India. This all makes sense. He said, I also rented a house for $200 a month because it's a whole lot cheaper than a hotel. And I found a woman with her two boys that will stay in the house and take care of it. And then when I come over, she can help with cooking or cleaning or whatever. And I pay her some money a month. And so she's not living in poverty. And we are just that good people that are taking care of this woman. And he's sharing the gospel with her. It all makes sense. In Vegas, we get the one man that was in Arizona has moved to Missouri. We get him to fly out and my husband gets his second anointing. Okay, before we get to the second anointing. Mm -hmm. So he's already been married on Zoom remotely on Zoom. Yes. to the headstrong Filipino or Philippine, right. I don't know. Filipina. Uh, lady uh -huh. from Philippines. Uh -huh. So that's his number three wife because that's the, the posthumous, mm -hmm. that's the posthumous ceiling is good. That counts. Mm-hmm. And, and she's, she, they said, we will do this on Zoom, but somebody's going to have to go over eventually and do the ceiling in person. I want to hear about the second anointing, but before we go there, can you tell us what is going on in your head and in your heart? Because I hear you talking All right, at don't different go times don't about go being okay. uh, repulsed by this, not wanting it, and it's just, you don't want it, but other times you're facilitating it. I'm Am facilitating. I hearing it correctly? I am an enabler. I'm an enabler at this point. I should back up to the one that said no. When he came back, the first one, he said no. They had, he admits to me later on that they had sex twice. And I said, you had sex twice with her after we just went with this do-over and what did they say? No sex? I'm like, why did this even happen? Why did I go through this if you were just going to go over there and screw some girl? At that what point, did he, say? he said, well, this is good. Back in biblical times, if you slept with a woman, you were married to her. That's what there, he tells me. There's always a loophole. Always. There's always a loophole. He I know. And when you told me that on the phone, Abby, I said, well, if that were really the case, that if you just slept with a woman, it means you're married, then there would be no need for a seventh commandment. And, and there's a lot of men out there that are probably married to multiple women at this point when they're all just, and so I cut off all sexual relations with him. I said, you're not double dipping the pretzel in this chip bowl. Not happening, not happening. I'm done with it. So anyway, she passes, he gets married and she's over there and he can travel. But meanwhile, he wants a second anointing. Abby? Yes? 
I know we want to get the second anointing, but there is this legal process in the United States called divorce. There had is. You, had you contemplated or discussed or yelled at him about that possibility? Yes, I did. In 2016, I had I had enough of this stuff. I was in a high pressure job. He was playing the games with these women. And I just, I was tired of it. I was tired of funding this little escapade of his. And I said, I wrote to him, he was in the Philippines. And I said, I can't do this anymore. I want out. And he said, well, I'm sorry you feel that way. Um, okay. He comes back and we decide to talk it out. We weren't going to chuck that much of a marriage at this point. We said, all right, we'll try it. And he said, maybe I should pay, invest as much time in our relationship as I do with the other ones. Okay. And so divorce was on the back burner. It wasn't going to happen. Okay. Bill, so something yes? Well, I was no, just, it, I yeah, was go just ahead. thinking the pretzel and the dip bowl, I was thinking that's almost also sort of another form of second anointing. <laughs> The onion dip, yes, it is. <laughs> you can dress Bill up, but you just can't take him out. No, that's true. That's true. Bill, Bill. So, so he has a second anointing. <laughs> oh, is it, too late? is it too late for us to give a warning to the audience? No, I expected that more out of you, RFM, than Bill. I mean, I know. I just it's always you the quiet ones. <laughs> yes. So if you got so, kids, you might want to just, you know, hide them away, lock them in the closet for a yeah, little while. we're not done yet. Okay. So, it's probably so only going to get better. He's going to get a second anointing. Okay, so he's going to get a second anointing. He's got his magic number of three wives. He's an apostle, and he needs that second anointing. Well, don't In order we to get up, you got to have it. The one man from Arizona has since moved to Missouri, and we fly him out to do the second anointing. I want no part of this. I'm done with all this stuff. I'm going along with it, but I want no. I want no part of it. And it happens. It gets a second anointing. Were you and, there? No, I wasn't there. I was at work and they put one of the rooms in the house in white sheets and they dedicated the room and they had everything done and he has a second anointing there. Okay, so Abby, one of the there's two parts to the second anointing. Yes. Having received one, I can speak with some authority. Oh, I mean, I've studied this out a lot, so I know something yeah, about it. You have it. studied this out a lot. The first part has to do basically with the husband, yes. right? But the second yeah. part has to do with the wife and the husband. So part how does two. he get a second anointing without you? Part two is we fly the man from Missouri with him to the Philippines. So he can do the actual sealing, the endowment, and their sealing. And the second, she gets her second anointing. And then they can do the other part. He before does it with her. Your, before you got your second anointing. I wouldn't I wouldn't do my second anointing. Yeah, I refuse. I want no part of it. So he does it with her. He does By the it with way, her. I see it sounds like everybody in their faith is ordained an apostle. All the men are. Yes. Uh-huh. But they would simply acknowledge that they're not special witnesses of Jesus Christ in the in the sense of having seen the Savior. Like nobody there's claiming. They've seen Jesus, right? Oh, well, no, not them. Not them. Them, them. That group, no. Yeah. Okay. Mine does. Your, Mine yours does. does? At you a later date. Yes, he does. My husband says, because I asked him, I just asked these questions. I go, so 
have you had the visitation? He goes, yeah, I have. I said, oh, okay. He says, it's really incredible, blah, blah, blah. I said, so you've met with a savior. Yes. She what? had not. Abby, but, Abby, do you believe mm -hmm. him? I don't know what to believe, but he did have a change in his countenance and his depth of. I'm going, hold on. And it, so he did have a change in his countenance and his depth of what he shared in lessons with me was far above what he had ever done before. He was like a Hasidic Jew studying the Torah at a Shiva. He was so immersed in everything that I didn't know whether or not to believe him. I thought, whatever, you know, but I knew I was not going to be in on this. He also said that if you screw up in your second anointing, that the Lord would not be happy. I didn't want to take, I wasn't going to do anything bad, but I didn't want to take a chance. I wasn't going to be strung out by the Lord if I was screwing up in life. So well, they I, tell I, you that the Lord will not be happy, but the Lord's going to smack you on the wrist a few times, and then you're going to get into the celestial kingdom anyway. Right. Yeah. Well, I didn't know that part, but yeah. Well, he, uh, but he, I, he omitted I, that part. He no, but I didn't want any part of it. I did not want okay. any part of it. So he gets a second anointing. She gets hers, and they do all their whatever happens then. Um, but he becomes obsessed with moving her closer to the U.S., because this is at least, yes, Bill. Is, is she wearing the one piece every day? No, 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 no. This is the Philippines. It's hotter than hell. He got her. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hotter than, than, Carth it's harder than Carthage on a June afternoon. Yes, it's horrible. I mean, it's horrible. Like, why would you wear a one piece or in, in Vegas when it's 115 degrees in the shade in the summer? I don't yeah, know. One piece? That's or, swamp ass. <laughs> yeah. So he comes up with a plan. He has to get her closer because he can't travel 24 hours to the Philippines or longer. This is just too far for him. How am I going to get her to the U.S.? First solution is the Cody Mary Brown plan. We will get divorced. I will marry her. I will bring her to the U.S. And after a few years, after immigration settles, we'll get divorced and you and I can get remarried. I said, no, we get divorced. You're out. You're out. Then he's thinking Panama, Ecuador, Mexico. But there's restrictions in bringing someone into those countries. You just don't walk in. You have to have, prove financial capability. And he doesn't have it. I have it, but he doesn't have it. Hmm. You also can only stay for so many months before you have to get out. I said, what are you going to do? Go back and forth. You can't just walk across the border back and forth. But, yes, one does but, not just walk into Mordor. No, it doesn't. The, the, but the, the, the biggest one, I thought, this was really cool. He, just, he finds out that you can get married in Hong Kong legally. You have a five-day waiting requirement. You can get married. And then he's married to her. I said, I saw the application. I mean, he told me what he was thinking about doing. He has two passports. He was a Canadian citizen. But when he immigrated to the U.S., he then got his U.S. citizenship. So he's running around all the time with two passports. He said, Canada and U.S. aren't talking. We get married in Canada. U.S. doesn't talk. Nobody's talking. And they're certainly not talking to the Hong Kong government. This will work. And I said, your ass will be in an international prison until you rot. That's going to be it. 
So he because decided. It, presumably, it would be against the law in Hong Kong as well as it is here to yeah, commit bigamy. Be lying on the application. Right. Because I'm sure part of the application is, are you married? Yes. And he would say no, because they can't track. They don't know who's divorced, who's not. There's not an international database. He could lie. That's what he was willing to do. You so, know, um, Abby, I'm sitting yes. here thinking that lying seems like a really small thing compared to everything else he's doing up to this point. It is. It is. I, I uh, was thinking it It seems contradictory to be both a liar and an apostle, but then... You know, then hey, I, I figured that, Well, a liar and a apostle... <laughs> liar must apostle? be peopled. Yeah, must be um, mainstream LDS then. So in 2017, he's diagnosed with prostate cancer. The chart no. is 13. Okay, so see, he's still 2000 traveling. 2013 in what? 2013? 17. Was there November. an age difference between you and your yeah. husband? You're 10 years apart, but he was 35 to 40 years apart, depending on the birthdays. He was almost twice of her age, the lady in the Philippines. So 10 years older than you, he but, is at the time. Yeah. And yes. maybe 30 years older than his Philippine yeah. wife. Right. So he's diagnosed with prostate cancer. Uh, my mother dies in January of 2018. He opts for radiation treatment. I'm in a high-pressure job, and radiation treatment starts in April. They can't find anything after the radiation treatment. They declare him cancer-free. He's still traveling to the Philippines. He decides it's another to miracle. Another miracle. Ta -da. God loves polygamous. God loves polygamous. <laughs> so he decides he's going to spend Christmas, the holidays of 2018 and the new year, 2019, with her in the Philippines. I go, why? Our anniversary is in November. It's Thanksgiving. St. Nicholas Day is big for Europeans. And Christmas and then New Year's. He's going to leave me by myself in Vegas. And he's going to go over there. Well, that's the way it is. He travels again with her to see her in August and September. He comes back and says, I think I should have another PSA test. Now, PSA does not Hold mean on. public service announcement. And it's public service announcement. Yes, it is. Public service announcement. The count is up there again. It's 9.5. The cancer has returned. He also has post-polio syndrome. He was born in Europe in 1943 contracted polio and over the years your muscles just start to deteriorate he knew that at some point he would be in a wheelchair and now he's got the cancer returning and begins non-invasive treatment in a um in a major hospital north of us that continues and the count starts to come down he has a plane ticket to see her in March of 2020. Ooh. Ooh, ooh. That's a significant time period. That's a significant time. He sees the doctor, his oncologist, in February, and he says, I don't want you traveling. You don't need to go to the Philippines. It's starting in China. You don't know what's going to happen. You have cancer. Do not go. He's always been like, oh, it'll all work out. Don't worry about it. Well, it worked out great. He's supposed to fly through Seoul, Korea. Seoul shuts down the airport. They're the first ones. He's scrambling around. I'll fly through New York. I have to go the opposite route, but I go through New York and still get there. Boom. East Coast is shut down. Even better, 
the Philippines shuts down, not even going in and out of the country, but within the country. Abby, for those people watching in the future, mm -hmm. uh, let me just go ahead and make it clear that, of course, at the very beginning, especially in March of 2020, mm -hmm. is the outbreak of the COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just uh, And if you don't know That's, what that is, yeah. you people in the future, just Google it. That's Google for the it. people watching Mormonism Live in 2083. Right. So he can't go to the Philippines. And that becomes the best time of our life because we are now... I'm not, I'm not working, I'm not involved in anything, and we get time together. He knows that his time on earth is limited because of his illnesses. And I figure because he's an apostle and has that direct connection to the Lord, he's seen him, he would have know when he's checking out. He's standing in the family room one night and he's staring out into another world. And I said, are you there? And he said, Yes, I am, but I'm not really. It's like he had been transported to another dimension or beyond the veil. He's really just standing there. He comes to bed, and at 5 o'clock in the morning, he gets up to use the restroom and comes back, and he's stumbling. And I said, are you okay? He doesn't say anything, but he is covered in sweat. One of the side effects of prostate cancer and radiation is you don't have any testosterone, and you get the hot sweats like you're going through menopause. I wipe him down and he rubs my arm and about two hours later, I get up to use the bathroom, come back and he is back in bed like this. His face is drawn. His mouth is wide open. His eyes are closed and he's not moving. And I said, he's had a stroke. Something's happened. I'm shaking him. Nothing's happened. He gets to the emergency room and the ER doctor has already called uh, a top neurosurgeon uh, in Atlanta and looks at the, the film and said, he had an undetectable brain aneurysm burst deep in his skull. It's not operable. And if it were to be operated on, he would be a vegetable. All this white stuff on top of the scan is blood. He is, he is now bleeding out. We always knew, we didn't have that pink form sign, but we always knew if we had to make a decision about each other, we would know what to do. I said, let him go. He was dying. He would be a vegetable. No, we just, he was ready to see the Lord. Hey, he, he had that again, divine intervention. He's got the platinum ticket to heaven. So I let him go. The day before he dies, I make arrangements for him to be cremated because he wants to be buried in Canada. And the funeral director is also part of the Masonic lodge with him. He's the head of the lodge. Whoa, 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 whoa. Your husband's a Mason as well? Oh, yes. He joins the Masons in Vegas and the Scottish Rite. And he comes to, to this little town we're living in, and he joins up with the Masons here, right? This man is, is head of the funeral home. He's the funeral home director. I said, I'm going to dress him for burial. Uh, his corneas were donated that night after he died. The iBank calls and said, this is an awkward button. I said, yes, please do. And the next day I'm going over to the funeral home. He is laid out for those of those don't know. He's laid out on this table, a little bit raised on the side so you don't fall off. He has a sheet over him. They put him in some kind of rubber pants so he wouldn't leak. He wasn't being embalmed. And he's got a toe tag on. With a sh and I go, oh, so that's what this is like, huh? 
I bring all his temple garments. I'm going to dress him. Hence, back to Nauvoo. And that's what it was all about. I'm going to dress him. Mormons always say a prayer for everything. And I figure, I've got to dedicate this room. I've got to do something. I just don't go put on his temple clothes. So I raise my arms and I say a dedicatory prayer for this room. Hang on. Hanging on every word at this point. I'm dedicating this room for dressing him, for preparing him to meet the Lord in the afterlife. I called the, the guys in Arizona and Missouri and said, okay, what shoulder, what side? So I got it straight. That's string. I mean, you got to get that string right. It's got to tie to the right loop on the right side. Whoa, 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 whoa. We're talking about more than just these garments. I mean, these long johns would be a struggle enough. Yes. I dress him completely in his fundamentalist one-piece garment. I put on his pants, his shirt. I I dress his pants, his shirt, his robes, the apron. You don't want to be the the only guy in the first resurrection with, with... just your just your regular clothes on. You don't. No, 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 he's not going to be. He is fully dressed in his temple outfit to meet the Lord. Of course. He's there, but he's going to be cremated because I'm not going to wait to drive him across to Canada to get him up there and take care of all that stuff. That's that's the way we had planned it out. So I tell the funeral director. I I finish. I finish dressing him, and I'm standing there talking to no one. And out of his left eye, a tear starts to flow. Now, I don't know if that's because his corneas were removed and the fluid is leaking out of his eyes. I take it as yet another sign. He is pleased that I have dedicated the room and dressed him to meet the Lord. Well, he's very sad about it. He seemed to be sad. I don't know. But I took it out. There must be tears of joy. Tears of joy. Maybe it was. Well, he dies. And okay, Abby, Abby, let me ask you a couple questions. Is that okay? Uh, sure. Number one, Mormons are famous for being against cremation and yes. wanting to keep that body intact so it can be physically resurrected when Jesus comes again. Now, were you aware of doing, I mean, how did that play into this particular act? Because I would think that even though the LDS Church is kind of loosening up on that a little bit yeah. more nowadays, that a fundamentalist mm-hmm. group would be right in there with no cremation. I didn't care because I was not going to spend ten, fifteen thousand $15,000 to have him embalmed and then carted across and across the border into Canada to be buried in Canada where he wanted to go. I said, this is going to happen at some other date. I'm going to get your ashes and I'm going to scatter you, bury you either in Canada with your daughter, Adamon, Diamond, someplace. Well, right now he's still in the closet, but I didn't care. I thought, all right, I prepared him. The Lord can take care of it on the other side, and you're getting cremated. And it's some time. scatter his ash. I didn't scatter anything. He's still in the closet. Can I send him to you? You can scatter him someplace? No, uh, really. That would be fine if that did not happen. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> it would be fine. Okay. No more presents for you. So he's dead. We are married at that point, 8,000. Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. Okay. Because I know I keep interrupting you. By the way, I've yeah. got another question for you. And it doesn't involve this, but you were nice enough to send me a great deal of his library. It looks like yeah. he has basically every freaking book that Ogden Kraut ever wrote. He For did. those of you who don't know, Ogden Kraut is like the um, he's like the Bruce R. McConkie of 
polygamous Mormonism. And he's got, yeah. I mean, there's, there's stacks of books here, all by Ogden Kraut. And I also have this horn. And I thought, when you sent this to me, I thought, well, this is very nice. You sent me a shofar. You gave no. me something to blow on Yom Kippur. But no. And then I looked at it a little bit more and I thought, wait a second. Uh, he wasn't Jewish. He was a fundamentalist Mormon. So I'm betting this was an oil. It was for oil. Uh, it was an oil holder. Uh-huh. I just couldn't send the consecrated oil because you don't have anything liquid, fragile, or perishable in there. No. So figured yeah. you now have you now have the card and you know how to consecrate that oil. You can do it yourself. So, <laughs> so, so it gets better. He's dead. Wait, I'm He's hearing dead. a voice here. You're hearing a voice. You are? Hello. Hello. Are you home? Never mind. Go ahead, so, please. Now, so yeah, you're going to cremate him. You're going to scatter his ash. I'm going to take his ashes to Canada, bury him with his. I, I don't care. Whatever it does, it doesn't matter at this point. Right. But at least he's he's not having a rotted body in the house. So, I had always been talking to him. Get your paperwork in order. At least give me your passwords. Put them in an envelope. Seal them. I don't care. But when something happens to you, I need to be able to get into your computer. I need to notify your clients. All this other stuff. Mm -hmm. Of course not. But I managed to get into his computer and get into his emails and start notifying clients that he's dead, uh, shutting down auto ships and things like that. Well, then I get into his phone. And everything makes sense. When we would drive in the back roads of Georgia so that I could look at cows and goats and sunflowers and Corn as high as the elephant's eye and pecan trees and take photos. Sometimes my photo, my camera was not charged. And I'd say, give me your camera and I'll, I'll, I'll take pictures. No, I'll take them and I'll send them to you. And you say, give me your camera, but you mean the camera I'd function say, on the phone? Give me, your, give me your phone camera. Give me your phone and I'll take the pictures. No, I'll take them and send them to you. I said, fine. Then he said, then I get Don't into touch my his, phone. Don't touch your phone. But I was paying attention enough to see his his four digit code. So I knew okay. what that was. I then get in. Should Hold on. This is bad. Don't go away. You can, I you can solve that by the way, we could go into your settings and we could make it. So the phone never shuts down every 15 minutes. That would be good. That would be, good. I don't know what we should have done that at the beginning. <laughs> you should have. So he, then, then I get into his, his tablet and then I find something better than photos i find a video a video 21 minutes and 23 seconds of him sitting at his desk looking at a picture of her crotch and her naked and he is doing the hand jive we're talking about the filipino lady yes the philip his his wife in the philippines the one that they didn't want him to be sealed to yeah He's jerking off to her on this video. Wait and till I we get to the part where the audience gets to see how Corazon moved in with you guys, with you. And now the two of you are, you know, because that's his polygamous <laughs> wife. So I'm sure you guys are all under one roof now, right? No, we're not. Okay. What? We're right. not. No. Well, the question so, that comes to my mind is, of course, so, a terrible so, one. Abby, Abby, the question that comes to my mind, who's he making that video for? He is sending the video to her. He is he is sending this video to her of him jerking off to her. Okay. Okay. I kid you not. 
the reason he wanted to send the very best. That's what, so he, the reason he wanted to lock his door was because he didn't want me walking in because he was doing videos for Sunday school lessons to send to her and the boys. I said, just put a note on the door. I'll know not to come in. But no, that was why, because whatever he was doing, that wasn't cool. He also wanted to do his own wash. Why? Because after he did his deed, he had to wipe himself off and he takes his garment and he wipes himself off. I'm serious. I'm serious of heart attack. Do they have no Kleenex in Georgia? They, we have toilet paper. It gets even better. This gets even better. I come across pieces of paper stapled together. On one side are words in English and on the other side are words in Tagalog, her language. The first word is master. The second word is slave. And it goes on from there. When I found conversations between the two of them on the internet, he refers to her as master and she calls him slave. Now, this is when you told me this, I just went, wait a second, because that sounds like the opposite of what I would be expecting. Are you sure you translated this correctly? Oh, yes. I took it Remember right me. off of what they had. She master is the master in the relationship and he, and he is the slave? the slave? Yes. Don't yuck somebody else's yum, RFM. I don't even know what that means, Mr. Real. What do you what, don't even don't yuck somebody's yarn? Don't yuck somebody's yum. In other words, people all get turned on by different things, and just because and that's what he was doing. Thing, I used to ask him. I go, "What do you do else? over there? I know you're not doing bookkeeping over there. The boys are in school. What are you two doing? Swinging from the chandeliers? I guess I wasn't that far off. They were making pornographic pictures of her, him, and together, and then he was sending." Videos of him jerking off. I don't even know what she sent to him live, but that's what he sent to her. So I go into this total tailspin at this point. I am Timmy deep in the well and Lassie can't get me out. I start talking. I start reading people's stories online. What happened in your life in Mormonism? How did you get out of it? I come across John DeLynn. And sorry, I start who? watching that, you yeah, know, that guy, that other guy. <laughs> no, but it gets better. It gets better. I, I come across that, and I am at this point, I'm not sleeping, and I am binge-watching Mormon Stories podcast. That's tough. I mean, you're talking three, six-hour segments. I'm up for 40 hours. Are you but saying it's tough to binge it, or it's tough to stay awake while you're binging it? No, I was wide awake because I was so undone. I, oh. you know, I... But it gets get so much trouble. <laughs> no, I hold on. So I, I will confess that sometimes I'll listen to podcasts to put me to sleep. But yes. So one night I see you, RFM. That puts you to sleep. You are here. I think you were gone that night, Bill. And it's episode number 94 on Mormonism Live. With Dan Joseph, Vogel. Joseph Smith and the Occult. Dan Vogel was with us. I had seen all of this nonsense before. I knew I was in a cult. I knew it was really bad. I just hadn't bothered to get out. And then I see this and I go, what was going on here? I am outraged, outraged. I'm screaming, the dog takes off in another room. And, and, and I'm just saying, I gotta get out of this. I've got to get out of this. And after 25 years, I resigned. For me, it was a simple process. I did not live in a community that was all LDS. I didn't have to worry about being 
not not friends with anyone else anymore. We had never, I had never gone to this, this local branch. We hadn't been active in the church for 14 years. The people in, in the local town did not respond to my request. And I called Salt Lake and I said, hey, I went out. I sent you the letter. He said, resend it, notarized, and I'll process it immediately. And I was out. Out. So on November 3rd, 2022, I was out. That's one. So, so I'm out. I'm officially off the rolls, supposedly. Officially off the rolls. Can I ask a question that's on my mind and probably everybody else who's watching this so far? Sure. What was it about this guy that you stuck with him through all of this without set, giving him the old heave-ho at some point along the way? Well, I wanted to in 2016, and then we worked it out. We had both been married before, gone through divorces, didn't want the ugly, and by the time he's getting into all this stuff and the second anointing and everything else, he's diagnosed with cancer. He knows he's going to be checking out. Mm. God's going to bless me. <laughs> he's going to take him home, take him through the veil. And, and I was just, but I was left to deal with the mess. I was left to deal with someone that never had his act together never put together his next of kin box. And if anyone out there is listening, put your paperwork in order, get all your passwords together. And if you've got some shady stuff going on, just put a note in there and say, sorry, you're going to find out stuff about me that really isn't too pretty, but at least you don't have to hunt for my passwords. Here you it is. At least have the decency to throw your phone and tablet in the river. He should never. And he didn't expect to die. Don't leave pornographic pictures on your tablet. Okay, don't leave that I'm video. Memo to self. Okay, go ahead. Out. At least put them in your <laughs> Control-Alt-Delete. Don't transfer them to a thumb drive. Just get rid of them. So all the signs were there all the time. The it, not, not informed consent when I was when I was joined the LDS church, doing it just to find a straight single man. He's well-educated. He is systems-oriented. Mm -hmm. He knows how to make 20... 20 steps into four. He had an auditing background. He thought like this. Everything that he did in our relationship was well calculated. He was good at gaslighting me. He was good at playing the trump card. If you want it and I don't, I get the, I get the vote. And it's always going to be two to one in his favor. I would never win. We're going to just meet these people. Uh, the priesthood line of authority is broken. We need a do-over. He's corresponding with women on all these different polygamous sites or Asian sites before he even tells me he was in on this. He springs it all. We're flying under the radar. He comes with some story that's plausible. And it got, I was never all in. It was sit down and shut up. He didn't say that, but that's basically what it was. I sat down, I shut up. And then, then everything came together. It all came together. Well, as Shakespeare put it, the course of true love never did run smooth. It didn't. It didn't. But yes, <laughs> it was not running. In fact, when we first got married, things were a little bumpy and stuff. You know, here we are, two different worlds. We're both headstrong. And I thought, am I really doing this? Should I turn around and go back? Where am I going to go? Am I going to move with my parents in New York? At that point, 
I said, well, let's just see how it goes. And you work into the relationship and it takes its course. It takes its course and it did take its course and put me in the deep, dark hole, but I'm thankful to be out of it. I healed through you. Definitely. I credit you with waking me up. And I also listened to um, my Mbialik's breakdown podcast. And she had these people on there that deal with mental health issues. And a man was talking about people with trauma. And he said, you can't live in this, this cycle. You have to pull yourself out and be an observer and put that aside. It didn't happen anymore. You're living in the present. And if that clicks with you, you're good. And that's what happened. You and all these people out there and people saying, remove yourself from the situation. And that's how I'm able to function. Whatever Abby, happened to Corazon? Did she just stay oh. in the Philippines then? She did stay in the Philippines. I cut off all contact with her. Um, I, I never spoke to her after I told him he was dead. I said, and I didn't care what happened. She had no money. I was supporting her. I wasn't going to send her any money. I didn't care. I found the videos rot in hell. Yeah. Totally. She was nothing but a taker. She would do anything. She would do anything. Obviously she did. She was never in on the gospel. She was just going along with the flow to get what she wanted from him. And I bought into it. Abby, before we start taking some callers, because I imagine there may be some people who want to make comments and ask questions. Sure. Do you have anything that you've learned from this experience that you'd like to share with our audience? Life lessons or bits of wisdom? Life lessons are the, use your gift of discernment. Don't just well, jump. You had it. it. I did have it, but I didn't use it. I tend to do things without thinking. And I just, it's the summer and the summer is really bad for me. I, I shouldn't do anything this summer. And I just jumped. I jumped to get out of a situation that I was in in Key West and find some straight single man to marry. I didn't pay attention. I didn't pay attention to the signs. And when I could have gotten out, I didn't. And it should have been run, forest, run, and don't. <laughs> run, forest, run. Yep. Was he in Alabama? Was that Alabama? <laughs> No, run forest run. Where was he? I think he was. No, he was. He ended up at one time. He was running through through um, Arizona. Well, another time he was in Vietnam, and another time he was all the way across the country. But basically, but... basically, get out of it. Yes. Have your self worth. You are more than enough. You don't need someone telling you what to do. You don't need some religion controlling you. There's more to life than that. And don't, don't, just don't allow this to happen. Get out. Yes, it's tough. It was really tough for me to hang in here for two years, not knowing what I was doing. But I healed from it. I reached out to people like you and others out there that shared their stories. And I got out. And that's what you need to do. There's always someone out there has gone through something similar or worse, not even religious-wise, worse in life that will take you by the hand and help you. Abby, I had pro promoted this, I think even at the introduction part about this is uh, polygamy that's taking place inside the church. And you've told a story that's not exactly along those lines, but I know that we talked a little bit and you had mentioned something about these other uh, polygamists 
who are not really members of the church anymore, but they sort of are, and they'll go to church and they'll pretend to be regular active TBMs in order to uh, yes. try and get people to join them, right? Yes. yes. I mean, people are out there. They're, they just embed themselves in the culture enough to get, get this to happen. Certainly he was in, he was in the Mormon mainstream culture. Right. Now, had you mentioned on the show that he basically had checked off every single calling that a male priesthood holder yes, could have in the ward and stake? Yes. He had done everything except for, yeah, he couldn't do primary and stuff. He had served as a bishop. He had been on the high council twice on the high council. And he was on and the high council when you first met, right? No, he was off the high council when I first met, but he had served twice on the high council. He was seemed to be that man that knew everything about Mormonism. He studied, well-informed. He knew genealogy. He did a lot of genealogy. You'd never expect it that he was a fundamentalist at heart. And he had been a fundamentalist at heart 15 years prior to us getting married. So even in Canada, he had thought about being a fundamentalist. Do you have any reason to think that he started his polygamy earlier? No, mm -mm, I don't think so. Uh, I don't. I don't have any reason to think that. I never found anything where he was corresponding with anyone that would indicate that he had a relationship outside of our marriage. What is it, Abby? If you can help us out to understand, what is this siren call of polygamy that attracts? Uh, Mormons such as your former husband who are very devout and very studious and very committed to their religion? I don't know what the call was. I, I think for him, he was so involved in doctrine and so much studying about Joseph Smith that he identified as a Joseph Smith Mormon. And he was going to follow the Joseph Smith plan, allegedly as a polygamist. And, and it was part, it was part of the Joseph Smith plan that, that he would live as pure as he could to that fundamentalist, those, those teachings back in the 1830s. That's what he was following. I never knew that. I didn't know anything about it. What, what, um, I want to ask in terms of early on, how old were you when the two of you met? Can I ask that? I was 44 and he was yeah. 54. And I got to, um, just I go ahead. Ask, well, I go ahead. Ask, like, what is it that sets somebody up to, um, you're, you're in such a need of a relationship. You even said at the beginning, I'm looking for somebody, right? Like I'm like, you want to find a I person. Would, I had, I had been in a relationship that didn't go right. Right. And it just, it just seems like you I was, got yourself I was into looking, I was yeah. looking for. Uh, being in Key West, it was easier to find a girlfriend than a boyfriend. Yeah, this is a this is Key West in the in the 90s. Yeah, and I thought, okay, here's an opportunity. I'm managing a bookstore. I'm not, you know, I'm not meeting people and seeing people on a regular basis. And I thought, well, here's an opportunity. Mormons are nice people. Hey, Donnie and Marie are out there. You know, can't be all that bad. I'm going to go to this missionary homecoming and say hello and maybe meet some nice guy. I had no idea about the religion, no idea whatsoever.
There had to have been a million places along the way where you thought something's just not right here. Right. I, I thought, I thought our relationship in the beginning just didn't seem too great. I mean, we had bumps in the road because I'm a strong person. We're both Aries personalities. I'm used to being in control. And so is he. So there was a lot of that head butting going on, but I don't know. We just, it just, I, I, all along the line, there were signs, but they were subtle enough. It's like you put the frog in the pot of water and suddenly turn up the heat yeah. and you turn it up gradually and gradually and gradually until all of a sudden the frog is boiling and he's dead. Yeah. And, so, and you had mentioned, you know, to married to three other frogs. <laughs> yeah. He was married to two other frogs, but looking for more probably. And if he could have afforded it, he would have, but I couldn't. And you shared too, that, I mean, all along the way that you were the breadwinner in the group yes. and you're the one who was funding all of this, you know, mm -hmm. I yeah. had bought into it. And part of it is, especially the women out in Arizona, yeah. all three of them were working and contributing the pot It's law of consecration. That's what you do. You're in a, you're in a, a plural marriage and everyone shares. Yeah. And, you know, as I said, I was, I was making a lot, a lot of money and he was making piddly money doing bookkeeping and a slight pension, social security at the time. So he did not have a lot of money. I had it. So I ended up funding these things all because he believed in this fundamentalist principle, eternal bliss, second anointing, apostleship, all that stuff for him. And I just enabled him to do it. Yeah. I'm wondering if maybe through you, we can get some kind of a fix on what was going on in Emma's mind while Joseph Smith is doing this. Oh, There's yeah. part of her that hates it and just despises it, but the other part really believes that he's a prophet and wants to be good and do what God wants her to do. Well, that, that was the same thing. I believe that he was doing what he was supposed to do because I... I wasn't to I was like floating around in this. I wasn't totally into the doctrinal studies. Hence you have all those books. I wasn't into any of that really, but I said, okay, this sounds okay. This, this, it made sense. Either you're in or you're out. The people were nice. It wasn't like these people were the ones, if they had been the ones in Warren Jeff's group with the funky hair and the prairie clothes, uh-uh-uh, nowhere near it. But they were regular people. They were nice people. I didn't have any reason to doubt that they were had any ill intentions towards anyone. They were very loving kind. They're sincere people. They were really sincere. And I felt that we were friends, that I could live this this lifestyle with them. We even looked at buying property out in Arizona. So that maybe at one point we would live out there and be near this group. It, but, but Emma is the same way. It's not good to have more than one woman in a house with a man. I certainly didn't want anyone moving in with me. I'm not going to share him knowing that he's going off and sleeping with her and I'm in another room. I didn't want that. And I really didn't like it when I found out that he had been screwing around with the first one out there when we had just had this 
do-over where he's not supposed to do anything unless he's legally and lawfully sealed. And he was screwing around. He was screwing around. And that just started, it just started it. And, and I'm sure with, with Joseph Smith allegedly having other wives, some, he was, he was doing it. uh, He was doing it. Of course he was doing it. He was allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. (laughs) some guy in another show in England and he goes allegedly. And so he was doing it. They're all doing it. I mean, and so you put up with it, but you put up with it because you believe in some aspect of that religion and you believe in what he is doing is okay. His, his religious aspects, not the screwing around, but the religious commitment that he has is okay. It's like the girls in the, in, that are married to the Hasidic Jews. They're not happy, but they go along with it because that's part of the religion. And that's what this was. This this that's what this is. Um, you're not happy about it, but you deal with it and you move on. You you just suffer inside. Okay, um, Bill. 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 Hey, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, my friend. <laughs> Do you want to open it for phone calls? So there are two calls. Two uh, calls. The first one is anonymous, and it's the name okay. Raphael again. Was that? I'm just trying to remember who our troublemaker was. If that was Barak Ale, was it Barak Ale or somebody else with Ale? Well, well Gaslam Ale. Oh, Gaslam Ale. Ale. That's right. But There's he, so many Ales out there. He's not sabotaging us. We've okay. got the James guy who once in a while tries to sabotage us, but we'll pull it on. I've got I've got two calls in the bank right now. Okay, okay. sure. <clears throat> Two Keep pretzels in the in the chip bowl, so, or in the dip bowl. So mm-hmm. here we go. All right. So <laughs> here, here's the first one. Raphael, how are you today? Hello. Let's keep trying this. I know. Sorry, I was on mute. There you are, my friend, Raphael. Sorry, I was on mute. Yeah, go ahead, my friend. Sorry about that. Hey, Raphael, can you speak up? Raphael, can you hear me? Sorry, this is Gabriel phone. calling Raphael. Gabriel to Raphael, do you copy? You're going to have to get closer to your celestial microphone there, Raphael. We, can, we want to hear you. Can you hear me? Hardly. Can you hear me okay now? Not really, but go ahead. Abby says she can hear you. Go ahead. you to like um resign from the church but from what i understand weren't you already like part of the new church at that point i'm just wondering like uh, wouldn't wouldn't you resign from the new church instead of like the original i don't know i understand your question is abby can you re- oh you're going to rephrase this question abby question thank you that if i'm in this new polygamous group why wasn't i resigning from them instead of the lds we never we never got rid of our LDS membership. We stayed members of the LDS church. We never resigned. And an independent fundamentalist, you're independent. He's a prophet. I'm one of his wives. And there is no other structure. When this whole thing hit the fan with her and me finding out what was going on, I called the two guys and said, hey, I want 
the ceiling canceled. I want her excommunicated. And he said, no can do. We're independent fundamentalists. Each person is their own family. We don't have a council to draw together and question her and go through a hearing process. So although we were independent fundamentalists, we had never gotten rid of our mainstream Mormonism membership. And I just wanted to be permanently off of the LDS records in Salt Lake City. I didn't want anything to do with it. And oh, that's okay. so, so, so it was like cutting ties completely from any association, any Mormonism. Right. I wanted to cut I wanted to cut all, all uh, association with the LDS church. Uh that makes more sense. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. We're going to let you go, uh, Raphael. Thank you. Thanks, Raphael, for calling in. Yep. All right. And the next call here is, I believe, Eric. Eric, are you there? I am. And, Abby, thank you for being on the show. It's been a, certainly a remarkable story. Um, my my question is, here at the end, we've been making comparisons with Joseph Smith. I, I want to extend that just a little. Uh, you know, one of the things that really bothered me about Joseph Smith wasn't so much for practice of polygamy, it was the manner in which he practiced polygamy. So many of his uh, polygamist wives were really coerced into the situation. They were uh -huh. young women. They were, uh -huh. as women of the 1840s, people, women who couldn't, didn't have money, didn't have property. Joseph Smith was their spiritual leader. He was their political leader. He was uh -huh. their military leader. They didn't uh -huh. really have a realistic option to say no to those relationships in most situations. Now, as I understand it, uh, you a lot of times they were raised in the church, or at least had, had, had been raised as, as children to, to believe that he was their, uh, their spiritual leader. Uh -huh. You, in your case, you weren't raised Mormon. You weren't raised fundamentalist. Um, by uh -uh. the time you married this guy, you were a grown woman. You were 44. Um, uh -huh. You'd already been divorced at that point. You had your own money. You had your own business. You, you, uh -huh. I, I'm wondering what was it, if you could help help me understand, that, that compelled you to stay in this relationship that you're telling us that you, you despise so much? Uh, you sort of get into it and certain other things are happening in your life where you just say, well, maybe I'll just stick it out because there's so all these other factors that make throwing a divorce into it. Just one more thing on the pot that I probably couldn't deal with at that time. He, he we didn't want to chuck our relationship. We were, we had a lot of good memories in our relationship but decided that we would try to make a go of it. And that's what we did. And I just okay. hung in because now his wives in the Philippines or the women that he dated in the Philippines were not really, I don't think they were coerced. I think that because of the culture in the Philippines and a lot of them being poor and the women that he was in contact with were not exactly living in luxury apartments that they found him as a white guy that would take care of them and therefore they would go along right. with taking care of them but um right. they weren't being coerced they were being paid in fact they were being paid by you it sounds like 
Yes, I. Thanks a lot. So I was their pimp. I don't know. I guess so. They he he was going to teach them the gospel and had tried to convince them that this was a good way to live, and he was looking for another wives. Whatever he was saying, I don't know, but they were in situations where they needed someone. And so they were willing to go along with marrying this guy, even though they wouldn't see him because they knew they would get a check or house or whatever it happened to be. And a lot of times people that marry uh, someone in the Philippines, you are expected to send money to their families. I had a friend who married a girl in the Philippines. Sure. He was in the Navy, the fleet pulls in and he said, they want me to send money to them every month. Eric, stay on the line for a second, would you? Because I want to follow up with Abby along the same line of thought, which is, mm -hmm. I think the thing that surprised me the most out of your entire story as I hear it again tonight, Abby, mm -hmm. is when COVID hits, he cannot go back to the Philippines. Right. And you say you were forced to stay together. Yes. And that was, here's the surprise to me. This was like the best time of your marriage. It was. Because... I met him on a, on a dating site. We really never dated except for what the two weeks I was up there and we went camping and corresponding. We never had that courtship type thing that you would normally say. And what was good about COVID and the whole thing of it is that we were, we then were forced to be together and he was not allowed to go see her. We were, we were given that opportunity to get to know each other, to have discussions, to spend time together without her being in the background because he couldn't go see her. Now, obviously he was talking to her on the internet and doing other things, but she was out of the physical picture. He could not go see her. So he is forced to stay and we then get to cultivate that relationship that we really never had to have, had the opportunity to have. And the discussions that we had were really in-depth and wonderful. So it was a good time for us. Unfortunately, he was also had cancer and was dying. But we had an opportunity to really get to know each other. I wasn't working. I wasn't in a high-pressure job. My mother had died. It was, we were just the two of us here. And it was an opportunity for us to grow as a couple. And that was, that was a good thing to for COVID to force us to stay together. So we at least had the last six months of his life as a couple. Does that help? What do you think, Eric? I, I, I think so. I mean, again, you, your story is just so fascinating and I, I appreciate you sharing it. I, and I'm, I am having a hard time understanding your perspective on some levels. Um, I, I guess what I'm, what I'm, maybe what I, the heart of what I'm wondering is, is this a story about someone who suffered because of Mormonism? Is, is this a story about you suffering because of Mormonism? Or is this a story about you suffering because of your own poor judgment? I think my poor judgment was to decide to meet somebody under the circumstances I did. But Mormonism was a major factor in everything that was going on. We were active in the LDS mainstream, and we were in 
this culture of polygamy. So just my bad, my only bad judgment right. was saying, you know what? I don't feel like I should be here. I think this is all a bunch of, you know, his, his stuff and everything that was going on too much going on in my life. I can't deal with it. I just want out. But as far that was, that was the decision, but as far as the religion, no, it was the religion, the religion and finding out through Mormonism live and the other podcasts, what Mormonism was really about and how it had affected me indirectly or directly throughout the years. Uh, it was, it, it all tied in. It was the religion. It was the religious aspect and certainly the Joseph Smith Mormonism aspect that affected everything in my life for those 22 years. And Eric, I'll just go ahead and say that I had similar thoughts and may still to some extent that you have, but I also had to temper that with being reflective in my own life and recognizing that I have stayed in relationships that were not good for me for way mm -hmm. longer than I should have stayed in them. Certainly not maybe to the extent that, that Abby has, mm -hmm. but, um, I remember at least my first marriage and bad things happening and me being desperate regardless to keep it together. In that case, it was also for the kids, which isn't at play here, but it was the idea of the temple marriage and got to preserve that at all costs. And I ended up becoming effectively a doormat for a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing. You, you want to get out, but you stay, you want to get out, but you stay. I, I, I didn't want it. I wanted to get out, but I stayed because I didn't want to go through another divorce. I had been divorced before. I didn't want to go down that path. So you stay hoping that at this age it's in your life that you can make things work. And you sorry, don't. Yes, you stay you hoping don't. things are going to change. You do. And, and they you don't. you keep hoping and you keep staying insanity. and you keep it's hoping insanity. and you keep staying. And you stay. And it's insanity. Hmm. And he stayed with his wife for many years. Well, because wife. of the same thing, his his first wife, his his one that he was married to, that's the mother of his children. He stayed with her for a long time. They had good times, but they had really bad times. But he said, it wasn't like all that bad. It's like you get a rock in your shoe and you say, you know, I really should take that shoe out, that rock out because it's bothering me. But you leave it. It's like it's there. It's annoying, but you don't do anything about it because it's not that bad. Right, especially That's if you have one of those hiking boots on, well, you got to undo thank all those laces to get Abby. it out. Thanks, Eric. Thank Abby, you. Abby, thank you for telling your story, and certainly I will never look at pretzels the same way again. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry for that visual. He's thank never going to look at what Eric's never going to look at what the same <laughs> not, way again. Not pretzels. going to look at a pretzel the same pretzels. way ever again. <laughs> you put Eric off pretzels now. I Eric won't do uh, Eric won't do pretzels and onion dip ever again. And he's German. No. He's German. Wow. Oh, bratwurst. There you go, pretzels. bratwurst. <laughs> All right, our last call of the night is, I believe, Jenny. Oh, good. Mm -hmm. We got a lady calling. That's good. Jenny. Oh my gosh. Hi, guys. You're on Mormonism Live. Hi, Jenny. Uh, hi. This is my first time ever calling in or listening live. So thank you so much. Awesome. We're glad to have you. What's on your mind tonight? Uh, well, for Abby, I'd really like to first off um, let you know I'm really sorry for everything that you've gone through with your marriages. This is, that really sucks for you. I'm really sorry that that Thanks. happened. Um, mm -hmm. And I understand also being in a bad relationship. 
and how mm-hmm. it can lead to, you know, a distortion of your surroundings and not knowing how to get out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. Yeah. Um, and, <clears throat> but I was wondering, um, were you and your husband still attending church when he was um, starting to get you to get into polygamy with him? No. We had decided um, when he started with the polygamy stuff, we had already stopped going to church because he was not happy with the lessons that were being taught. They were very fun, very basic. And he was on a different level. And he said, I don't really want to be a part of this. I didn't either. They were basically not nice to us in the ward. They'd say, oh, those nice people, but they never invited us out to lunch. They barely said hello to us. It was just not a good a good feeling. So for Who us, were your just, home teachers for God's sake. Okay. We had home teachers and then one moved, but they never said he was moving. So they just didn't show up again. The, the relief society ladies that came, one got divorced, moved to a different area. They never came back. So we didn't have, we didn't have that. There was, there was no contact. We just, we were just like left out there. We got out and nobody really cared. Nobody really cared. They did see us one time. The patriarch's wife died, and we went to her funeral. We showed up early and were sitting towards the back, but people recognized us, but they just sort of let it slide. Oh, there's West, that family. They're just going to be there and say hi, and then they were gone. So we never, once we got out, we got out. We didn't go back. We were done. We're done. Yeah. Thanks, Jenny. Yeah, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. And Abby, I really hope everything gets better for you. Seems like it's it has good. now that your husband's dead. Thank so. you. Yes. It's great. And when people would, when I call and say, I have to cancel this account. I said, my husband died. They go, oh, I'm so sorry. And I'm going, oh, you don't want to hear it, honey. You don't want to hear what was really going on. And people yeah. are very quick to say, oh, I'm so sorry. When they don't really know what's going on behind closed doors. You really don't in anyone's relationship. Like Charlie Rich used to say. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you, after hearing the story tonight, you can you can start to figure out why somebody want, might want all the unencumbered lots. You know what I mean? That's right. <laughs> JC has a question. Jesus Christ is texting in this message. Apparently, Jesus can't call in because he's making dinner. Okay, I see it. Uh, was his first marriage LDS, and did he stay yeah. in touch with the kids? Yes, his first marriage was LDS. Um, he did stay in touch with his children. Uh, he had five girls. One died suddenly at 10 and a half in a freak accident. But he did stay in contact with them for a while until he started this polygamy stuff. Oh, that changed and then. And a little bit about it. And one Christmas, this is what he pulls. He takes a picture of him with the wife and the two boys. And he sends it in a Christmas card to the oldest daughter and said, Merry Christmas. This is my new family. She turns around and sends a picture to her other sisters. And at that point, they stopped talking. So he, prior to his death, had not talked to them for several years. Have you been in contact with them since he died? 
Uh, yes. Well, when, when he was dying, I had to get a hold of one of them. I didn't have the phone numbers. Uh, the second daughter had a, a daughter on a mission in Toronto and she was on Facebook and I just sent her a message to say, I need, it's, you know, your, your dad's wife and I need to get a hold of your mom. Grandpa's dying. And then talk to his, his sister, his wife and, or his daughter. And she was like, yeah, the oldest one I have communicated with, you know, briefly, um, she's joined grandma land like me. And so there's a bit of communication on and off, but not a lot. The other two, no, none, none. And unfortunately, I'll just say this, the second daughter's youngest son is on a mission. And I thought, I was sure hoping he'd get on one of these broadcasts, but he's gone on a mission. Two of his sisters went on a mission, and the oldest daughter had a son go on a mission who married a girl that he met on the mission, and they now have two children. So they're sort of embedded, you know, a bit, but I don't have much contact with them at all. So I can't ask JC if that answers JC's question because JC didn't call in because JC is making dinner. Good for JC. <laughs> the things we do for JC on this show. I know, I know. Any other callers, Bill? That's it, my friend. That's it, huh? Wow. Well, Abby, thank you so much for coming on the show tonight and sharing your remarkable story. I want to thank you for saying, are you ready to share your story? Mm, did um, I say that? You did. When I said, hey, I'm going to send you all this stuff because I didn't want, I knew, I knew it would go in the garbage. I knew these books would go in the garbage if I died. And you wrote back and said, are you ready to share your story? And I was ready to share my story. So thank you. Thank you. Well, thank you. You sent me not only all this loose leaf binder stuff together with the complete transcript of the second and anointing ceremony which i hope to do a podcast on here in the not too distant future i now mm -hmm. also am the proud owner of a complete hardback copy edition of the journal of discourses yes yes and i don't even know if that's available anymore he thought once he bought it that you couldn't get it anymore so enjoy well, i know one place you can't find it where's that the church website really they've taken it out it was never there it was never there. Wow. They don't go wow. past they don't go back past 1971, I think it is. Well, Strange, I just thought 1970 article in the first vision. You would, you would, right. would, <laughs> would um, you would make different comments online, different broadcasts, and I'm thinking, I have that information. I have that information. And Bill, you're talking about these golden nuggets that the church has removed. I'm going, I'm sure in that pack of paper that he has printed out that there are golden nuggets that the church is hiding. So please use all that information to help in Mormonism Live and sharing the story. Absolutely. I think that uh, there are some people in my audience who might like to hear Radio Free Mormon perform the second anointing. Oh, wow. Wow. I guess I could make another set of garments and participate, but I know. Only oh, if it's a one-piece, Abby. What's that? Only, only if it's a one-piece. And the cool no, thing I'm is, not... it's not a green apron anymore. You come in your whole regalia, no. but you got... It's a white apron. Yes, they it's use... like going from Gandalf the Gray to Gandalf the White. Yes, they, they operate with a white apron. Um, they have the hat, the whole nine yards. And do you know that the more wives you have, the bigger your hem in that robe? Yeah. 
you know, you're not getting that three inch hem in the robe. You can have a six inch hem if you have more wives. So something to achieve there. It's a goal. Okay. I think I understand what you're saying. I'm not big on the sewing, but the hem is okay. bigger. So the this almost sounds like the Pharisees and their phylacteries and everything. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Lengthening the borders of their garments. Yes. Because you have more wives. Little factories. Yeah. Uh -huh, yeah. That's the way no, it works. The phylacteries, Bill, not the little phylacteries. The little factories. Oh, I'm sorry. The little phylacteries. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so there's. Second annoying I would like, I would like you to. I would like you to use that information to however you have <clears> to, because there's a lot of stuff that the LDS Church has taken out of circulation. But as I was met, married to the gatherer of everything, the person that had to with the owl personality and had to get everything. He had to find everything and print it out. I'm glad that he did that because it's probably no longer up on the internet. No, probably not. Well, I like Peter do not sell my tokens for money. I'm going to give it away for free. You're going to give it away. Good. Share it with everyone. Share it with everyone. Maybe and, this uh, weekend. And I, I, I knew as your background that you were good at, reading and putting together a lot of evidence. So I also figured that that would be right up your alley. Oh yeah. Thank you so much for it. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming on the show to share your story. Thank you for having me. Say good night. We'll say good night, good night to you. Cause I know it's three hours. It's probably about after 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Oh my goodness. 10 o'clock. Yes. Yes. Well, thank you for having me and keep in touch. You're welcome. Yeah. Thanks so much, Abby. Yeah. Have a great day, everyone. Bye-bye. What's a little phylactery?